Wednesday, August 24th here in Rockbox Studio in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schauff. With me are Jared Smola and Adam Krautwurst. No Mike Shope today, though, because, Adam, he's busy driving an apartment building back from Gettysburg, PA, I believe, right? Yeah, I heard it's a... He just sent me a picture. I think he sent us a picture of the size (laughs) of this thing. Uh, Apparently, Mike, uh, he's not with us today because he's driving back, but apparently he had a a near-death experience in this... In this RV driving, so he is he is okay, uh, and he expects to be with us tomorrow night for the potathon. But I'm happy he's he seemed a little sh- shook up. But hey, I can I would never even dare driving that thing. I mean, you got to be I mean, you got to be a real alpha male. I got to imagine that thing would have done the damage, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, whatever he almost hit. I haven't heard the story, yeah. uh, but it seems like everybody's okay. But. Uh, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll be with us tomorrow night for the for the potathon. The only way I ever want to travel in one of those is laying on something way in the back of it, where <laughs> That's I'm right. only mildly aware that it's moving. <laughs> Eating gummies and sleeping on the bed. <laughs> Absolutely, <in> the back. <laughs> <laughs> drinking something like what? I'm in my apartment. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll be happy to have Mike back with us. And as you just mentioned, a potathon tomorrow night. Lots of hours of drafting and lots of guests on that. Right, Adam. Right uh, on the Draft Sharks YouTube channel. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. Um, yeah, it's going to be super fun. So we're probably for six straight hours tomorrow and then next Thursday. Uh, so tomorrow will be the Football Guys, FFPC. Mm-hmm. Um, three straight drafts. So many guests. I'm going to tweet that out uh, today, the guests we're going to have tomorrow. And then next Thursday will be uh, the, uh, the the tournament, the Best FFPC Basketball Championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where we'll have more guests, six more straight hours. Um, I might not have a wife by the time <laughs> August is over, but it'll be fun. You can it'll, pick it'll one up fun. off of waivers, though, come September, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. They'll, they'll be available. It's, it's, that's right. There'll be other husbands dropping their wives come football season. <laughs> that's what happens every year. We've, we've seen it. Come on. Um, so, yeah, Jared and I will definitely be drafting in the best ball championship. We were just talking before the show. I'm not even sure yet whether I'm going to draft in that FBG marathon, but maybe. I mean, I've definitely I've got a draft to fit in somewhere. So we'll have to see. I, I might have to check the status of my marriage to decide whether <laughs> you got I'm your, drafting or staying. You got married. your main event tonight. You got the, right. you got oh, the butterflies baby, yet? Baby. No, there's no butterflies. No? I'm excited. No? Oh, I love those. I always get a little nervous uh, when the main events kick off. Oh, know, as no. long as I've been doing this, the main events have a different feel, feel to them. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a different field, but it's excitement for me. And last year, I swept my league in the main event, so I'm ready to to try to Let's do that go. again. And excited for this draft. So we'll be talk. We'll be recording that tonight. We're not going to stream it live because honestly, I feel like it's going to be a better show that yeah. way. Because if we were streaming it live. I'm not going to tell people what I'm about to yeah. draft because people can and probably are watching those shows. Like it just takes one or two members of the league to watch to change that. But we're going to be recording it so that I can say what I'm hoping is going to happen as it gets to me. See if it happens and, you know, talk through everything without limitations. Now, unfortunately, you're going to be giving away a lot of your strategy for that draft on this show right here. So hopefully th- or those. Yeah, or hopefully. that's right. That's right. Yeah, no, that's a good point about I think every uh, content. Like if you're gonna do, like I get people want people in their chat for these drafts, which is fun. But like if you really want to give people yeah. like good advice, you need to not live stream it, and you need to talk. Like I'm watching some of these streams, and they won't even like talk about players. Like don't <laughs> say players' name. Like well, we're supposed to be helping people here, so so like just tape it and play it a couple hours later or the next day. Yeah, look for that on Thursday. That'll be there. Then, of course, the potathon that Adam mentioned. Today, we're going to be talking about the perfect draft. And it's a series that's been on Draft Sharks forever. You'd see it come out on other sites now, too. But it's been on Draft Sharks forever. <laughs> we do it every year. Jared and I have mentioned it on here. It's really tedious to actually put the article together, but a very helpful series of articles. Those are live right now. We're going to be updating those. We're going to be talking about it on the show today. Really, it's a perfect place, I think, to be talking perfect draft, too, because we got comfy chairs. We got these professional-grade mics at Rock Fox Studios. We got mm. cameras that are probably more honest than they should be <laughs> for a guy who stayed up too late last night uh, and is wearing my work on my face a little bit. Of course, the helpful Scott Fitzgerald, who's here, you know, not only like being nice to us as we invade his house here, but also making sure our stuff looks good. And yeah. I, my fair, I like, I like being in the room with you guys. My <laughs> favorite part of podcasting from the studio though, is probably that I drive home and there's a video file and an audio file waiting for me. I don't have Can't to edit it. this stuff when we're done. Can't beat it. That is sweet. So if you are in this area, you're looking for professional recording help like we are, check out rocvox.com. 
The Perfect Draft articles, like I said, hit the site last week. They're going to be updated today. They probably are updated by the time you're listening to this. We've got 10 team. We got 12 team. We got 14 team. We got PPR. We got non-PPR. So we should have the format to fit what you want. Today, we're going to be going by position and talking about our Perfect Drafts. And I, I think that we'll probably lean toward 12 team formats because that's the most common. And it, you know, the fewer teams you get, the easier it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, you can certainly set up a draft war room for whatever size league and get your perfect draft. We'll be leaning 12 teams. We could talk about any variations for other sizes um, as we go. But, Jared, why don't you kick us off at quarterback and tell us what the perfect way to approach that position is? Quarterback for me is the easiest position this year. I want a difference maker. I want one of the elite guys. I think they're all too cheap. I think they're you know not all of them. Allen goes a little higher than I want to take. Uh, Justin Herbert goes a little higher than I want sometimes, but... For me, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, those three guys, the rushing upside, and really, especially with Kyler and maybe even Hurts this season, the passing upside, You know, th- those guys have a chance to lead the position in fantasy points and, again, be a difference maker on a weekly basis and throughout the entire season. So those are kind of the three guys I'm targeting. You can usually get one of them in round six, sometimes even round seven. But And we'll talk about some of the other positions and where there's like tier drop-offs. But when you get to round six of, the, of these drafts, there is not much I'm worried about missing out on at the other position. So I'm willing to spend that sixth round pick on one of these elite quarterbacks. I'm glad you said round six, because that's exactly what I was thinking about, seeing if one of these top six guys falls to that round. Not only that, I don't love a ton of the other skill guys in those rounds, Mm -hmm. receivers, excuse me, or or running backs. Yeah, I think that's a really, really sweet spot there. The fifth round, sixth round, even sometimes the seventh round. Um, You know, uh, I did my targets and fades for the the home league stuff, and it's, you know, Kyler Murray's going at the 512, Jalen Hurts at the 609. I mean, Hurts, you can get in some... um, some high stakes leagues, even even later, seventh, eighth, eighth round. I've gotten, um, I've gotten Murray in the seventh round of uh, of main event drafts. You know, so yeah, I mean, I would pass. I, even like last year, so like the top quarterback last year was Patrick Mahomes off the board. He was going at the two three turn regularly uh, in in high stakes and in, and in home leagues he was going even higher. Now Josh Allen, who's the QB one, um, being drafted, he's going at like the three four five range. So even like the quarterbacks, even the number one QB by ADP is, is falling a little bit more. I would still not take the Josh Allen just because I never want to be the first team to take a quarterback. But, um, and uh, Kyler Murray is such a sweet playoff schedule too. Like he has shootouts um, those th- those three weeks. I, f- I think it's Bucks, Falcons, who he's going to destroy, <laughs> and one other shootout, uh, Denver. So uh, that's really the big thing too. Like if I'm going to take a quarterback and I'm going to spend a, a, a higher pick to get the, the one of the elite ones, I want him to have a really sweet playoff schedule. Kyler Murray looks good because he tends to be the one that drops that drops most often yeah. among the top six. And it is the top six for me. If you look in our rankings, you'll see a little gap between number six and number seven, Joe Burrow. And that's the way it is for me. I'm not even sure I would have Burrow that close to the top six. So I like seeing if one of those guys gets to round six. You know, the specifics there can depend on exactly who's on the board. And as Jared said, we'll talk about running backs and wide receivers in that range as well. But I, I could start looking in round four. And if I'm like, well, I really like how the first three rounds went. I don't love anybody else here in round four. And Josh Allen's here. I am almost always not going to be the first quarterback drafter, but I am willing to make Josh Allen the first quarterback off the board in round four this year if I don't love something else facing me. And, you know, beyond that, it's looking at that top six, like I said, whoever falls. And if it's close between should I jump now or wait until round seven and see if one gets to me, I'm okay with waiting because I see Russell Wilson as a fallback within the next couple rounds. I think by, you know, October, we could be like, oh, Russell Wilson should have been in our top six as well. So I think he's a fallback. And then, you know, even if my I'm settling for Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, somebody in that range, that's okay. That's not optimal, I don't think, but that's an okay safety net. This is a good time to remind people, too, to, you know, have the full draft board open. Know what other teams picking around mm-hmm. you still need. If you're picking, yeah. you know, 6'10", and the two guys between your 6th and 7th round picks, even if one of them has a quarterback and one doesn't, and there's still two of these guys available, say, you know, Murray and Hurts are still available, do not take one in the 6th round. Right. Assume that someone's not going to double up on a quarterback mm-hmm. and that, you know, one of those guys is going to make it back to you in the seventh round. Mm-hmm. And in that point, too, like especially in home leagues, you you, you can trade. He's going to make a mistake. If they take, make a mistake, take two quarterbacks early. They're going to end up trading one of them. Yep. You'll you'll be fine. The, the the Josh Allen point is interesting. Like I would the only time I would consider Josh Allen would be like if I've got, 
Stefan Diggs and I and I'm maybe like you said, I'm in the fourth round and all my targets are gone. I would not take him in the third, but if you're in the fourth and you have Diggs and you re- and week seventeen, he's 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 gonna smash. He's Cincinnati, Cincinnati's defense stinks and their offense is amazing. That's gonna be a shootout. Mm-hmm. So you certainly can do you'll be fine with Josh Allen and your team, and then he has that 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 uh, championship winning ability week week seventeen. I can't wait to see that Bills Bengals game be fifteen degrees and thirty <laughs> mile per hour winds and a and a you know fourteen to ten five. No yeah, way. we'll get the Patriots Bills game from uh, last season. I was Win at that Bowl game. Too. No, no. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I and I think right there, it's it's also worth noting the difference between high stakes or tournament drafts and home leagues, where there's a lot less opportunity cost to taking the first quarterback in a home league than there is yep. in a larger field or a higher level draft. There are going to be some soft spots in your league, even if you draft with some folks that you think are very good or have found are very good. There's going to be one or two soft spots in the league. You're going to be able to find wide receivers and running backs a little bit more easily there than you will in, say, sure. the high stakes drafts. Yeah. Can we talk about Trey Lance? Yes, he's my, he's my, he's my, he's my fallback guy. If I don't get one of those top six, if I happen to miss on, you know, Hertz and Kyler Murray in the sixth round, Trey Lance, you know, we have his ADP sitting early ninth round. I looked at ESPN's ADP. They have him early 10th round. So that's kind of the, the range, you know, I'd even be willing to, you know, move up and take him in round eight if you miss out on those, you know, top six guys. I just I don't see how Trey Lance fails. I really don't. With his rushing ability and the weapons they have, even if he's a below a well below average passer, with the weapons there and his rushing ability, like he's gonna finish as, as a top twelve fantasy quarterback. And he has the upside to join the Kyler Murray's and Jalen Hurts as a top five guy. Yeah, historically the the amount of uh, rushing attempts he's gonna have historically they those guys always finish in the top 10. Like, mm-hmm. it's so hard to finish with the amount of rushing attempts he's going to have and not finish in the top 10. So Trey Lance was a great point. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought him up. Trey Lance and Russell Wilson, to me, are the two guys. If you if you do miss out on the on the elite ones, just wait and grab, grab Lance. And if you're a little bit nervous about, I mean, I'm not, but if you're a little nervous about Lance being terrible or losing the job or whatever, there's so many quarterbacks later you can, you can go get. You can go get Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, guy, guys later on that we, that, that we like. Yeah, I think my only concern for Trey Lance would be if we have wide swings week to week, where he, one week he's got you yeah. know forty points, and the next week he's giving you eight. So maybe I, if I have Trey Lance, I'm more likely to draft a second one, and that's kind of the final point on quarterbacks. Is if I get one of those top six or even Russell Wilson, I'm probably not bothering with a second in most leagues, and you know unless we're talking like twenty plus rounds, and it's like whatever, I'll take a backup just because everybody in my league is probably taking them. Um, but if I Trey Lance, I think is the first guy where I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm going to have a second around just to see what happens. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I'm glad Adam brought up Trevor Lawrence. I have him down here as like my last fallback option. If I somehow miss on all those guys we've talked about, Trevor Lawrence, 12th round, 13th round ADP, mm-hmm. depending on your site. Um, you know, he he's not he doesn't have the top five upside, but I, I do think he's undervalued where he's going in fantasy drafts. I think he has a good chance to finish top 12 this season. I think Justin Fields is worth bringing up in that QB2 range for the same reason as Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Like, he obviously doesn't have the receivers. He does not have the offense. He doesn't have the—we'll we'll see about the offensive lines because there are concerns about yeah. the San Francisco one as well. So, it, overall, it's a much worse situation, but a similar profile in that he is a terrific runner, also a good deep ball thrower. So, if Justin Fields stays healthy, I think he's a very good bet to at least be inside the top 15 with certainly upside into the top six. Yeah, lots of concerns with Fields, but when I get into drafts and I see him still sitting there after like 15 quarterbacks right. off the board, my, my finger kind of wants to, to click his name. <laughs> yeah, if he's 12th in ADP, I'm like, uh, yeah. I'll go somewhere right. else. But if he's 16th, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll stash Justin Fields and see what happens. Yeah, and the thing about taking two Q- uh, two QBs too. Now I've got I've, I've co-owned enough teams with people, and a lot of people like to go naked quarterback. Oh, I just want one quarterback, but... You know, like specifically for me, I'm in so many leagues and and what and each person has their own amount of leagues, right, that they can handle with lineup setting and that. Like I don't want to be grinding waivers for quarterbacks. Like I get the I get the solo QB, naked QB thing, but like I would much rather take, you know, we're gonna probably cut our eighteenth round pick anyways. So I'd rather if it gets to the point where there's no high upside guy that I really want, I'm gonna right. take Trevor Lawrence or I'm gonna take a, a, a backup where I don't have to spend you know, 20 hours a week just on trying to pick up quarterbacks for the 50 plus rosters that I have to run. So I think there's something to be said about like your personal bandwidth and how much you can, you you can do. And the fab money too. I mean, if you're having to pick up a few quarterbacks throughout the season to cover bye weeks or whatever, that that, that fab money can add up. Mm -hmm. Certainly though, if you're in a home league, 16 rounds, um, you know, regular starting lineup. Sure. You don't have to yeah, worry correct. too much about that kind of stuff. Yeah. It, go ahead and pass on the second one, even if you have Trey Lance, frankly. You, you can draft a second one if you want, but you definitely don't yeah. need one. 
Yep. Uh, super flex real quick before we move on to running backs. For me, guys, I would like to get one quarterback among the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. That other pick is really going to depend on specifically where I am and specifically who's on the board. But I want to I don't feel like I need to get two quarterbacks to start that draft and Superflex yep. and two QB are basically the same thing because you want to start two quarterbacks every week in Superflex. But I think that that's one way where you can find value is a lot of people get into that format and they're like, well, I need to make sure I get my two quarterbacks and then I'll start drafting. You know, by that point, yeah. you could have some some studs to go with your one stud quarterback. And those drafts can vary so much as we saw in the DS invites exactly mm-hmm. how early the quarterbacks fly off the board. I, I think setting tiers and super flex is so important and just knowing your quarterback tiers and, you know, saying I want to make sure I get one guy to this tier, then at least one guy out of this last tier and just you know make sure you don't miss out mm-hmm. on that second quarterback. Yeah, and it depends on where you're drafting, too. Like, if you're picking 10, 11, or 12, and you take one QB, and you're okay with getting, like, I'm comfortable with guys like Trevor Lawrence as my QB2 and Superflex at that 3-4 turn. So, but if you're not comfortable with that, you got to be prepared to just go quarter, double-tap quarterback at the um, in the, for the, the first two rounds. Um, so, or you got to have your quarterback sleepers that, that you like a little later on. It, it really gets it does get interesting as to... Uh, how teams like to build uh, is going to affect the way your team drafts. Mm-hmm. Make sure you set your tiers and leave your opponents in tiers. Let's <laughs> move on to running back now. I'm most likely, Jared, taking one running back within the first two rounds. That second spot really depends on where I'm drafting, who I'm drafting with. And when I say where I'm drafting, I mean where in the order because it it, it differs a lot who's on the board and right around the one, two turn, I like more receivers than I do late in round two. And then when we get to late in round two, we've got Alvin Kamara and James Conner staring us in the face. And it's really tough for me to pass on both of those guys for Tyree kill, I guess is the guy that mm-hmm. I'm most often considering yeah. there. You know, I want to take some Tyree kill, but it's, it's not a smash for me. If I have those running backs looking at me, regardless of who I took at, you know, one, two or three in round one. Yeah, you know, we should start with a caveat, of course, that it matters if you're PPR, half PPR, non-PPR. It matters your starting requirements. If you have to start, you know, three wideouts versus two wideouts, it's going to bump the wideouts. And in your draft war room, we'll, we'll do all that for you and sort mm-hmm. of, you know, rearrange the player values across positions depending on your league settings. But, yeah, I think you're right, Matt. I do want at least one in the first two rounds with the, you know, Saquon Barkley still gets into the second quite often. I think in home leagues especially, he's going to mm-hmm. be there more often than not. Um, then the two guys you mentioned, Kamara and Fournette, who are usually there in the Oh, late. I said Connor, not Fournette. Oh, uh, no. T- I mean, Connor's, Connor's a third rounder. You can get him in the third pretty mm-hmm. regularly. I mean, I, I'm with you that he probably should be more of a late second rounder, but I'm good with Kamara and Fournette in the late second round. And, you know, if I do start with a wide receiver like Cup or Jefferson in the early first, I'm usually targeting uh, Kamara or Fournette coming back in the second. Yeah, definitely for for home leagues, Saquon Barkley is uh, is generally always going to be there in the second round. His ADP is two point two point seven, which is great. Um, and if I'm so if I'm picking in the back half of the uh, the of a draft like that, I'm I'm still okay with taking him in, in the first round just in case at the back at the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely, but definitely taking him at the beginning of the, the second round. I, and to me, well, we are getting while we're on Barkley, we are getting plenty of people in the Discord talking about I, how their Barkley's going like eighth or eleventh, yeah. and I don't think they're going to get around the turn to me. So. So, yeah. you it's know, if you scary. really do want Barkley, it's okay to take him there. And I think in those leagues, it's there's probably a better chance that one of those late round one wide receivers gets around to you. Stephon Diggs, Devontae yes. Adams, C.D. Lamb in that range. Yeah, it's 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 too scary to let to let him go because he could be the RB1. Um, you know, after McCaffrey, JT, and like Barkley, there's like no running back that I'm really targeting in the first couple, couple rounds. Connor, I get it round three. Um, and, I, and I take them because I need to. And it's fine, but like guys that I'm targeting, guys that I'm like kind of building around, it's really just McCaffrey, Taylor, Barkley. I had, I do have some, some, some Eckler because when healthy, Eckler's awesome, and it's even more comfy now because it looks like the the secondary running backs there are not either not good or or they're hurt or or both. So I'm fine with that. But like other than other than that, man, I'm I'm waiting until like the mid rounds to really uh, attack uh, the RB position. I just don't feel. I feel like every time I'm up on, on the clock between an RB and a receiver, I always want the receiver. Uh, so I just kind of end up leaning that way. James Conner consistently going in round three makes it easier for me to take Tyreek yes. Hill late mm-hmm. in round two because James Conner absolutely should be in round two. He's got a round one workload coming his way. 
the depth chart behind him is weak enough that Eno Benjamin is the buzz guy. And as good as Eno Benjamin can be is not a threat to James Conner. They paid him to be a feature back. I think everybody everywhere, every set of ADP that I look at is undervaluing James Conner. And it's, 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 it's honestly crazy to me that more people aren't saying that because it's not like I'm projecting the production to the guy. Twice in the past four years, he's finished top six among PPR running backs. This is a guy that we know can produce. We know that they want him to be the lead guy in Arizona. We know that they're friendly to running backs. So I, I'm i going to – James – like my perfect running back draft includes James Conner. That's the one – that's like the one name that I know I want because of where he's going and what I expect from him. And I, I feel so much better about him than Leonard Fournette because mm-hmm. – the offseason finds Leonard Fournette getting fat with his kids while James Conner is chopping down trees and then throwing them <laughs> backward over his head. So, I mean, uh, give me give me the chopping down trees guy. Yeah, I'm with you that Conner and Fournette are, you know, project similarly. The only reason I don't have more Conner, honestly, is just because I like the wide receivers in that range, and that's where, you know, Kyle Pitts goes in that mm. range, too. So the, the third round, to me, is, you know, you can go a number of directions and be okay. But to me, Conner... In the being available in the third is a reason to feel comfortable starting wide out, wide out, mm-hmm. or wide out in an elite tight end because I do think if Connor's your RB one, you're 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 just fine. Yeah, I think it gives you flexibility from any of those spots, and I agree. If Connor's your RB one, I feel good about that. I am generally coming out of the first three rounds with two running backs, just with how it tends to line up. But I'm also very flexible with those first three picks. Let's talk about the fourth round running backs because these are the guys that are giving me trouble. Zeke mm-hmm. Elliott. Brees Hall, Cam Akers. I see the upside path for all of them. I'm worried about all of them. I don't. I really don't want any of those three to be my RB one. I think they could even be your RB three. And I think if they're your RB two, you're okay. Um, you know, are you guys targeting any any of those three? None of those three. Yeah, Brees Hall would be my target in the fourth round. You said. Yep. Is really, yeah. Yeah. If he if he falls uh, to the fourth round, he's a guy that's more comfortable as my RB two. Uh, as an RB2, but I also don't mind him in like a, I guess it's not really a hero RB build when you take your running back in the first running back in the fourth round, but he's a guy that... Um, it's a hero, let's call it hero RB with a sidekick. There you go, with a sidekick. There Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, that round is so ripe with, with receivers yep. that like I just end up not even, like if Brees Hall falls, great, I, I consider it, and I just took Brees Hall in the fourth of a, of a, of a FAPC main event. But um, I, I just don't I don't plan on it because you, right. a lot of times he's going in the third, his ADP is the third. But he is a guy that I'm targeting, especially in home leagues because he's going later. I think the fourth I put on there is where he's going. Yep. Uh, for 405, great, fine. Um, but Brees Hall would be the guy because I still think he has the path to a workhorse load there. I get they're not a, they're not a great team, but they've got they, they, they have weapons. Um, Salah comes from San Francisco, you know, wants to have that that run scheme where they, you know, have that one running back there. I get Carter's Michael Carter's okay, but if they liked Michael Carter, they wouldn't have Jordan traded. They wouldn't have drafted Brees Hall. So I feel like Brees Hall could be a guy that, you know, I don't care that he had four carries for a yard in the preseason game. I'm sure one of you guys is gonna is gonna hammer me for that. But <laughs> no. um yeah, I just the the upside there, but I get it. This is the RB dead zone. We can talk ourselves into freaking any running back in this in this range. Zeke Elliott, I get it. But to me, Brees Hall, give me the young guy, give me the I mean he could finish as a top ten running back easily. So that's 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 the way I look at it. This is the range where I start to not like running back, and yeah, I've shifted I on Brees Hall because I like very much the prospect. I agree that he's almost definitely better than Michael Carter, but the Jets sure seem like they're planning mm-hmm. to run these guys as a split backfield and might even be Michael Carter on the field first when they get to the regular season. Now, I think that ultimately Brees Hall will outscore Michael Carter. But I also worry that the Jets are just going to limit what the ceiling is. And I think there's enough of a question there combined with what I can get at running back over the first three rounds that I feel better when I take two running backs in those first three rounds, take a wide receiver either in round one or in between them. And then I'm looking wide receiver in this range. So, you know, if I can get James Conner in round three and Alvin Kamara in round two, I feel better about starting my draft with Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson in the first half of round one. That's like it, those are the guys that are going in that range if you're picking early in round one. It, it changes if you're talking about later in round one. But four through six, I hate the running backs, to be honest. I, I love Brees Hall again, and I, I'm more willing to take him if he's my third running back. And I'm OK with getting out of round four with three running backs and one wide, wide receiver, especially if we're talking about a home league type of setup. But otherwise, David Montgomery. 
um, J.K. Dobbins, yeah. and I just put a shark bite on this morning about the early season outlook for J.K. Dobbins. Jameson Hensley yeah. said, "I missed it." Uh, don't Jameson was so, so basically what Jameson Hensley says, and he's the ESPN guy for the Ravens. It's like it, it's too early to say when the Ravens will be willing to give him double digit touches. Yeah. What like, if he's not getting double digit touches, and that's not carries touches? If he's not getting 10 to 12 touches in week one, then I don't want him where you're drafting him. Yeah, I think Dobbins probably won't be startable to open. I mean, he's not even working in, in full team 11 on 11 stuff yet, and we're about, you know, two and a half weeks away from the start of the season. So, yeah, to, to me, the round four isn't the RB dead zone yet to me because I do think Hall, Akers, and Zeke have, like, RB1 upside. It's it's after those get, those three are off the board. That's when the dead zone starts me. That's where I don't want to mess with these. Now, I'd, I'd still rather take a wide receiver in round four than Brees Hall, Cam Akers, or Zeke Elliott. But I do think if you're, you know, sitting on zero running backs through the first three rounds, I, I am willing to take a shot on one of the, these guys because I think the, the, the drop-off comes after, you know, Hall, Akers, and Zeke are off the board. Yeah, I just did a main event out of the three-hole. I went Cooper Cup, then I came back, went Alvin Kamara, then in the third round I went Mike Evans, and then at the... Four ten, yep. Brees Hall was yep. there, and I'm like, that's beautiful. I've got Kamara. I don't need Brees Hall to be awesome right out of the gate. And and you're right, Brees Hall is a guy that if you you, we could certainly start him week one, and you could just want to hate yourself because he gets out touched by Michael Carter and all that stuff. But I think you don't want you you're not trying to build your team for week one. You want to build it for the for the for the championship week. So Brees Hall isn't going to kill you, and he certainly could gain a role as the season goes mm-hmm. on. And Michael Carter's small. He's he's not going to play a full, full full season. So, I mean, <laughs> Brees Hall is a, is a mad, I mean, he's a full-sized running back. He can catch, he can run. I mean, he's just, and he's re, he's probably really, really good. So he's a guy that I love taking, you know, especially mm-hmm. with that build as an RB2, uh, for sure. And again, the fact that he's in the fourth round now, that's yeah. like pricing in a 60-40 you know, right, right. split in I, favor I, of Hall. I took him as RB18. Yeah. Like, like you're not you're not fine. losing if he's getting 60% Correct. of the work as a fourth round Correct. pick. Right. And we're talking like rookie year Jonathan Taylor. That's the range yeah. where he was going. Yep. Yep. And I, you know, just to make sure I'm clear, I'm not anti-Brees Hall. Mm-hmm. I'm just not quite as it's comfy high. now yep. as I was a couple weeks his, ago. His ADP seems to be dropping. I see him in the fourth and late fourth quite, quite often, even in these FFPC drafts now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we'll talk about wide receivers more, but just because we're talking about what you're considering in that range, looking at the ADP on DraftSharks.com, in that same range with those ugly running backs, we got DJ Moore, we got Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, Jalen Waddle, Mike Williams. So, I mean, when I get to that point and I'm looking at those guys or I'm looking at Dave Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, Elijah Mitchell, Ugh. Antonio Gibson. I'm like, no, thanks, guys. I'm going to take a wide receiver, and then the RBs and I will meet back up later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love – yeah, we're, we'll talk about receiver, but I love the 4-5 turn at receiver. It's so good. So before we close out on running back, it's behind that. Jared, you talked about the the dead zone beginning after those guys, those three guys leave the board. So we're probably talking like mid to late round four yep. through maybe round six. Where do you think it ends there? Yeah, like once – Dobbins, Montgomery, and Jacobs. Those are kind of the dead zone RBs to me that I don't really want anything to do with. I'm start. I'm interested again when you get to like Tony Pollard in round eight. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I go back and forth on like in round eight. I'm willing to take some shots. Chase Edmonds is the guy I'm getting more excited about the closer we get to the season. But, you know, we only saw a few series from the Dolphins starters in the second preseason game, but Edmonds played 10 of 13 snaps with the first team. Uh, got a couple targets. I think especially in PPR leagues, you know, I don't think Evans is going to get 250 carries, but he can get 200 carries and, you know, 50 to 60 targets as a, uh, he, he's a, he's a 10th rounder on ESPN, according to their ADP. You know, mm-hmm. we have his ADP in the late seventh, but anywhere in that seven, eight, nine range for Chase Simmons in full PPR, he's kind of become one of my favorite RB targets. And I think ideally that's like your RB three. If you can get Evans in the you know, eighth round, he's your third running back. You're doing pretty well. Yeah, I like the pool here. I mean, you, you mentioned CEH. I'm a little bit more um, still willing to take CEH than it sounds like you are. But I, I like him in that range. I like um, Chase Edmonds, as you talked about. Uh, there's Kareem Hunt a little bit behind that, but it's basically round seven through round nine. The options look good in the context of where they're going and assuming that you took some wide receivers in between. Yeah, Tony Pollard is a guy for me. He's like the expensive high end of that. seven. He's going to the 703. He's a guy that I believe absolutely has standalone value this year because of their lack of receiving weapons and they've been he's been working with the receiving coach. Like I really think it, they know it's time to get him out there on, on the field. Plus, 
if Zeke goes down, he's a top five fantasy running back. He's already shown that. Um, I like Ramondre Stevenson and at the end of the eighth round. I think he's the best running back there. Again, you can. I mean, Damian Harris had what fifteen touchdowns last year and was like RB sixteen. Like he stinks. Like he's not going to get. He's not going. I mean, he scores every single game and he still. You still can't even start him as an RB one. Well, um, I think the takeaway there is it's a situation that's going to be frustrating. But Damian Harris is sure. still operating first. I, maybe I, he doesn't personally stink, but I, I think I think Ramondre Stevenson's better. To smell him, but <laughs> it, I think that that's going to be a backfield that frustrates anybody that bets too heavily. I'm not saying taking Ramondre Stevenson at that level is betting too heavily, but I, I'm definitely not in camp. Stevenson's about to take over. Um, I don't know if he's going to take over, but he's got that. I think he's going to be, if they both play, he's going to be the higher scoring. You know, I don't even think he needs the James White role, whatever that means. I mean, James White had like one good year, like three years well, ago. Did, and it's the James did you guys White see the, the Belichick quote from yesterday where he's talking about like he wants all of these guys to be three down backs and it seems like they might be getting rid of the James White role, and they might yeah. be like rotating by series, which is what they did in that second preseason game. And I sat here on uh, Monday and was like, you know, they're not going to do that during the regular season, but they that might be how it goes. Yeah, it might be. You know, Harris gets the first series, including third down work, and then Stevenson gets the second. You know, so I, that backfield seems to be changing in New England. Yeah, I feel like it's always been the best bet to take the cheaper option. Even even last year, Ramondre Stevenson was the cheaper, and he was he had a couple smash games. Um, it, it depends on on the build too for for, for him. Um, another guy in that range I like is D- Damian Pierce. I know he's his ADP right now is in the tenth round. I just have vibes about oh, yeah. that s- situation where you know this happens before these rookie running backs come in, and it, sometimes it takes a minute for all us to kind of catch on. But I think the the tea leaves are there. This reminds me. The talent, not the same, but this reminds me of situations where you had like Adrian Peterson rookie year while Chester Taylor's there, or you had like Larry Johnson rookie year while uh, was it Priest Holmes or somebody was there. Like Jamal uh, Charles. Jamal Charles, yeah. He's going to be caught in this committee and they end up just being awesome. And I think obviously this isn't the same type of offense, but this right. could be a sneaky good offense. Nico Collins is, is looks like he's coming around. The offensive line is better um, and they want to run the ball. So Pierce just he looked really, really good. And then they don't play. Like I think Pierce is a guy that, in the 10th round or even higher now, I think I just took him in a main and maybe like the, the ninth. Yeah. He's a guy that could be an RB one. He he's going to, he's that's a guy that's going to go much later in your home leagues. Yeah. Uh, ESPN has his ADP at a uh, 1201. Okay. That, you know, that that's, you, you can get Pierce in the double digit round in your home league. I, I bet. But I would take him. I, I like him better than the Patriots backs in that range. I, because I agree, yes. the thing that I was waiting for on Damian Pierce is how many touches they're going to give him or if they're just going to spread it around. Mm-hmm. All of the indications since their first preseason game is they have been waiting to see yeah. what he is and they've seen it. And now they're ready for him to lead the backfield. So in that range, that's what I'm interested in is taking the guy that I think has a chance to emerge as the clear backfield leader. And I think Damian Pierce has that. Another guy that I have gotten comfier with over the course of draft season in that range is Cordero Patterson. And because we already saw last year what he can do if he gets the ball, we saw that ultimately the Falcons are willing to give him the ball that much if they need to. I don't think Arthur Smith wants to this year. I think that's what has been intimated by um, how he talked about Patterson after they re-signed him, but I think he might have to. I mean, the backfield stinks. We I haven't mm-hmm. heard anything about Tyler Algier doing anything of significance. I just don't think anybody else in that backfield is going to be better than Mike Davis, it looks like. So there should be touch upside to Patterson. The He's going to not be as good fantasy production-wise as last year. Mm-hmm. That is more than baked into where he's going, though. So similar to Damian Pierce, I would take him there and just take the chance that he's going to, again, dominate backfield touches. The backfield stinks, and the wide receiver court stinks, too. He's going to play a big role in the passing game, too. And he... I you know I like that we've seen none of Patterson. He's played what I think he's played exactly one snap in both the first two preseason games. Like yep. they're obviously saving him. They know he's an you know older guy, and he did wear down late in the season. That's a concern. But again, that's priced in at his ADP. And yeah, I think I think how they've treated him this summer tells you he's going to play a big role. In that yeah, they offense. paid him relative to yeah. running back contracts. Yeah, no, I love Cordell Patterson for sure. Going at the at the eight twelve and a lot of these FFPC drafts right in that range of running backs for sure. Yeah, I mean. You know, M- Marcus Mariota with his with, with his baby arm. He's not trying to throw it downfield. He's going to throw it to Cordero Patterson in the flats. Both those it, quarterbacks have looked good this preseason, by the way. Sure, the offense might not sneaky be sneaky good. Off. Somebody said there was a sneaky good offense. It might not be uh, as disastrous as we thought. It's going to be. <laughs> it's going to not for fantasy for the those three guys. That's going to be an awful team. Marcus Mariota was not a good quarterback in Tennessee. I, it's not even because he oh, doesn't I'm not have drafting the physical Mariota, skills. but I'm drafting. You know, they're going to be losing every game. They're going to have to throw yeah. in, a, in in a dome all year. <laughs> Well, let's go. <laughs> yeah, draft Cordero Patterson because he's he's also game script proof. He's obviously right. going to be exactly. involved at receiving. Yep. So, yep. 
Uh, are there any other specific targets you guys want to talk about in running back? I feel like once you get into double-digit rounds, it's just really about looking for the upside guys and not handcuffing your own running backs. Yeah, I was say upside handcuffs. I agree, not handcuffing your own guys. I mean, Alex Madison's the obvious one. I think Rashad White, we've talked about. I, I you know, Daryl Henderson gets more and more intriguing to me. They're talking about that being more of a committee than we've seen in recent seasons under Sean McVay. And then if, you know, Cam Akers does go down, Henderson becomes an RB1. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenneth Walker, I'm interested to see how cheap he gets with this hernia surgery. Well, before we get away from the handcuffs, I just want to say, I think Madison and Henderson are like the two situations where I would be fine with handcuffing because those are the two direct replacements to the starters in very good situations for production. Yeah, in in a contained 12-team league, right, Right. where you're not trying to beat out thousands of other teams. Honestly, even in a tournament field, because the upside there is, the reason I'm interested is because I think both are direct replacements, both for usage and production. So I don't think you're losing out there the way that you do generally. And I get the Mm -hmm. concept of not handcuffing your running backs. There's also some potential to differentiate there because we all know about the not handcuffing your own running backs thing. So there's going to be fewer teams in that kind of field that do have Madison handcuffed to Dalvin Cook, for example. Yeah, I will always fight the not handcuff. I mean, I I, I understand it, but a lot of times we make up these these scenarios where like, oh, well, okay, if, if if he has Dalvin Cook or whatever, if he doesn't have Dalvin Cook and he has Madison and we're in a tournament and I have Cook and Madison and Cook goes down, well, he has a huge advantage. Well, what if his team, it only matters (laughs) when the money weeks, during during the money weeks. And what if his team isn't even in the playoffs during, what if all those Cook teams aren't in the play, like, I think like the the weeks that Delvin Cook missed last year. Do you think they were people were pissed off that they had Alexander Madison on their team, handcuffed to Cook? No, they were like, "Thank God that I can start Alexander Madison, who was a top five fantasy running back when Cook was down." I think, you know, if I, I don't think you should be fading your own handcuff running back in those specific examples. Yeah. I think Cook and Madison, I think Pollard's almost beyond that now. He's the standalone guy going in the seventh round. He's not that. But Henderson's another beautiful one. Henderson's a guy I've been taking, and we'll talk about like our targets, uh, guys that we don't want to leave drafts with next week. I'll give you a little preview. Daryl Henderson's one of my guys. Wow. Because he's a guy that, like, like Matt said, when think of James Conner last year. Edmonds went down. Conner was a, was, it was a slam dunk. These, these, these guys that are in these offenses that want to – uh, have one running back, and then, then and then when he goes down, the next one comes in, and he gets all the touches. Those are the handcuff running backs that you want. And so I have no problem handcuffing Cook. I have no problem handcuffing um, Acres. In fact, that's even a little bit, a little bit cheaper because you don't have to spend a f- first round pick. But handcuff your guy if that's what you want to want to do. Even 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 in tournaments. I, again, unless it happens like the last two weeks of the year, yeah. and the guy and there's a bunch of teams in there with Madison sitting on their bench. I think I think you're fine. I think it depends on the size of the tournament too. Like, I think sure. in the FFPC main event with, what is it, 4,200 teams, mm-hmm. I think it can work. Mm-hmm. And the underdog tournament where it's 400,000 teams, I just can't imagine <sighs> winning that thing with no, Dalvin Cook it. as a first-round pick that misses a bunch of time and turns Madison into, into a I still you know, think good pick. in that Unless, very specific case, you're getting a direct replacement and that Oh, but there's so huge, many other teams. There's, but that's there's the too thing, many that other teams that have field. Madison plus a, plus a great team. Yeah, but that team, though, like you're you're not overpaying to get Madison, and you're also facing a dearth of teams that have Cook and dearth. Madison, and put Madison into that Cook slot, and thus aren't losing the Cook production. So I, I it's not a good strategy overall, mm-hmm. but I do think in those two specific cases, you can say any strategy is good because it's contrarian. That's that's, <laughs> that's where we're right. at this point, right? Like, I hate it. It's different, it, so it's good. Well, I think it's, I mean, yeah, there's definitely something to that. You have to do something that's oh, different sure. to win a field like that. Um, and I, th- that's one of those things yeah. that's, yeah, I, I get the overall argument, but if you apply it to those two very specific cases, I think it works. And uh, sorry, real quick, I just want to reiterate, it depends on what weeks that they are. If it's weeks two and three and four, it doesn't right. matter. If you right. get out of your league, it doesn't matter. Right. It's the If it happens in the money weeks, fine, it's negative EV. But I think it happens early, it doesn't matter. As long as you get out of your league. All right, sorry, Jared. There's Kenneth another Walker. running back we're starting to talk about. <laughs> Kenneth, Kenneth Walker, Walker, this guy who, Does you know. Does he still play football? <laughs> I mean, some people thought he was, you know, as good of a, at least, rushing prospect as Brees Hall. He only went, what, four or five picks after him in the NFL draft. It, it's funny that now Walker's the guy that's hurt and, you know, Penny's relatively healthy. I, you know, Penny is not a good bet to make it through the season without getting Didn't hurt. make it through and, training camp without yeah. getting hurt. And, that's I mean, right. if, you give, you know, if you're giving Walker 15 carries per game, even even on a bad offense, like, he's he's in the 11th round now. I think his ADP is going to continue dropping because we're not yeah. going to see him for the next two weeks, and there's a chance he misses, the, you know, the first game or two of the season. Yeah, I would guess that he's not likely to play in week one. He's, he's a fine stash. It's yep. the kind of situation where you don't need to have a Seahawks running back, but where they're going, you can also take either one and just, you know, take whatever they give you. 
I'm just scared to death that one of these guys is going to be a monster like that. Like a, one of them's going to go down and the other one's just going to smash because they love to hand the, hand the ball off. And maybe the offense is better than we all think it's going to be. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Let's see. You're like, a, you're like the fantasy maybe. sanitation engineer right now. You're like the Texans, the Falcons, L- and listen, the Seahawks are going to be sneaky better, good this year. Sneaky good for those specific guys. GTFO. But I'm just saying they want to run the ball like crazy. And if, I mean, look what Rashad Penny did last right. year. I know they had yeah. Russell Wilson there. I know, I know, I know, I know. But, I mean, one of these, I mean, they're going to have weeks where they both pop, where one of them pops out. You're looking for an injury in this backfield. So that all that to say is Kenny Walker, I think, is a really good running back. I don't know how he catches the ball yet, whatever, but I think Kenny Walker's a guy that I don't want to fade completely because Penny's not playing 17 games. Kenny Walker probably won't play 17 games, but when he does play and he has a backfield to himself, you're really going to want to start him. He's just more talented than everyone else going like in that range of drafts. Like At some point, just bet on talent and you'll see what happens. Just keep in mind that the only real monster in Seattle is Pete Carroll, who insists on making that team worse than it really should have been all these years. Right. All right. So let's shift to wide receiver. And we've talked about it some. um, So it probably won't take as long as running back. Jared, what about the early approach to wide out? And, you know, maybe does it differ depending on where you're picking in round one? Differs depending on where you're picking. Again, it differs, you know, your scoring system. And if you're starting two wide receivers versus mm-hmm. three, but I mean, to me, I'm always surprised. Can I just say real quick, I'm always surprised that two wide receivers is so prominent because as long as I've been playing fantasy, three yeah. wide receivers has easily been yeah. the predominant yeah. format I've played. So I just always kind of assumed that was the standard, but there are a lot of people and it might even still be more that play starting two wideouts, which definitely changes things. And it makes a huge FFPC. difference. Like you know, set up a set up a draft four room with two wideouts and then change it to three and watch how you know high the wideouts start popping. So that it definitely matters again. Draft four room, set it up. It will customize the rankings to our league. But um, you know, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, to me, are top four picks. Unless you're in a non PPR league, if those even exist anymore. But even in Ugh. half PPR, like those guys, Jamar Chase to me is like a mid first round pick. Outside of that, I know I'm I'm lower on Steph Diggs than you guys. Dante Ew. Adams, why? like gross. Why? Yeah. I I just think it's gonna be. To, I don't think he's going to get back to the 28% target share he had in you know, two years ago when he did score as a top five. I don't think it's going to be closer to what it was last year. Wasn't he still 25-26 last year? Yes, last year, which I think is where he's going to be. And you know, to me, that that makes him like—I'm okay with him in the late first round. He feels like more like an early round two value. Same same deal with Devontae Adams. Like, I'll take him. I don't love some of the running backs going in that range, but I'm not I'm not I'm not excited when I get Steph Diggs at you know tenth overall. Give me the guy that led the league in end zone targets and is playing with Josh Allen and where the second target is um Wonderkin Gabe Davis. <laughs> Wonderkin, who might lead the league in red zone targets this year. <laughs> sorry, Wunderkin for our German <laughs> listeners. All right, sorry, go ahead, Jared. No, that's all I had for uh those first couple rounds. Again, I I, I want to get to rounds three through six. That's mm-hmm. that's where you load up on wide receivers. I don't know how you guys feel. There's not a spot in round one outside of maybe the 101 where I don't love receiver. Like, I love Justin Jefferson. I love Cooper Cup. Uh, I do love Stefan Diggs. I think just having the safety there, like, you can't win your league in the round one, but you can lose it. Like, Stefan Diggs is going to be fine, yeah. even if he doesn't. I mean, some people say he could be the wide receiver one. I don't. I don't see that. But he certainly he could be sure. I mean, he's got a, he's got a great quarterback. And uh, but the the only thing is they do have a new offensive coordinator, so who knows who knows exactly what he's gonna gonna do. Um, but Stephon Diggs is awesome. Uh, I love CD Lamb, Chase, fine. The only kind of receiver in that first uh, round and a half that I'm not probably lower on than most is is Devontae Adams because again. He's used to having 30% target share from a Hall of Fame quarterback. Now he's not going to have 30% target share, and he doesn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback. They have a ton of weapons there. Adams isn't going to be, I mean, he's going to have smash games, but he's not going to be as consistent. I'm higher on CD Lamb than him. And when Mike Evans, you know, when we had that kind of early in the summer when everything was looking good, uh, I was kind of higher on Mike Evans mm-hmm. than I was on Devontae Adams, but now I, I have Adams ahead of Evans. It's worth noting, by the way, on the OC front that Ken Dorsey spent the past three years as the quarterback's coach in Buffalo. So it's not like they brought in somebody totally new. It is somebody who's been in the system. We'll see. Things will change. But I've also read where they've been loving how Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey work together. So we might even see things get better. And I mean, obviously... The preseason offers small looks, but that offense was devastating <laughs> against Denver yeah. last week. A Denver team that's that should be at least decent and maybe good on defense. Missing maybe a, a few guys, but you know, I, I don't think anybody is is expecting the Bills to disappoint an offense, but there's a chance that they could be even better 
because Brian Dable, you know, they were very good the past couple of years. Nobody was talking about Brian Dable as a strong offensive mind before the past two years, though. True. It might not be that a loss. Yep. <laughs> um, He's definitely not a loss. And I will say real quick, <laughs> Case Keenum is a guy who's been around the league. He said in an interview that he's never seen a relationship between a quarterback and an old coordinator like he's seen with Dorsey and Josh Allen. So I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like there, there is a chance that Diggs, I guess, let me, let me backtrack. He could be the wide receiver one. I just think they have so many weapons there that Josh trusts that they don't, they, they don't need to, to do that. Uh, all those weapons are a great reason to consider Josh Allen in round four, by the way. <laughs> I, I do think that there's the upside to lead the position for Diggs because we saw him get close to that a year ago. Obviously not this past season, but the, the one before. And even though I also would not project 28 plus percent target yes. share, I think that's within the range of outcomes. You know, if Gabe Davis is like just OK, you know, relative to expectations mm-hmm. or if he gets hurt, if he gets hurt, I mean, they, they still have. Pretty good set of receivers, but not anybody that's anywhere close to Stephon Diggs. And even if Stephon Diggs just has like the strong touchdown rate season that seems like it's coming if he yep. keeps getting targeted that often in the end zone. You know, I'm not saying Stephon Diggs wide receiver one. I'm saying if he finishes the season wide receiver one, I'm not going to yeah. be like, oh, who could have seen that coming? Well, right. well, the target share thing is the only thing that like the only ingredient missing is we know he's talented. We know he has the quarterback. We know it's a fast paced pass heavy offense. So if he gets that 28% target share, then yeah, he's he, all the ingredients are there for that wide receiver one finish. So if I get, if I'm picking late in round one, I'm more willing to take Stephon Diggs in that mm-hmm. eight, nine, 10, you know, through the end of the round range, even if, you know, Barkley's sitting there looking at me, Joe Mixon, who I like, is sitting there looking at me. I'm okay with saying, I'm going to wait and see what gets back to me in round two. And then if those running backs don't, I'm also okay with taking CeeDee mm-hmm. Lamb around the turn because yep. there's a chance that James Conner is going to get to me late in yep. round three. And frankly, if I take Stefan Diggs and CeeDee Lamb and then you guys let me get James Conner at the end of round three, you might as well just like hit auto draft the rest of the way and give me your money because it's over. Pack up the briefcase. And that, that's a good point. Like that's where drafting and volume comes in handy. Like you need to have all these plans, even starting in round one, you need to know, hey, who do I like in round two? Who do I like in round three? It's, it's, it's just a great point. Take Diggs. If you're okay with not getting Barkley, take Diggs. And if you don't get Barkley, you take like a CeeDee Lamb or if you're in tight end premium, take Kyle Pitts and then come back and get your, your, your James Conner if you really love him in the third round. So you almost got to think two rounds ahead with some of this and stuff. If James Conner doesn't get there, Cam Akers could be, Travis Etienne could be. I'm okay with passing there and just waiting and collecting those uh, running backs later that we talked about. So, you know, it's that flexibility is important. We're talking about perfect ways to approach all these positions. And I always put perfect in finger quotes because the biggest thing for me, Jared, you have to be flexible in a draft. Because if you go in saying this is what I'm going to do from the 11 spot and things go differently than you expected, then you're screwed if you're not ready to be flexible. Yeah, you're just missing out on value that the draft's presenting you. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on Lamb, but I I just feel like he's priced as if everything's going to go perfectly. He's priced as yeah. if he's elite, which he is. If, if, if you look at some of the advanced <laughs> stuff, which I know you hate, Adam, he hasn't been elite yet. Projector, and he's priced as if he's gonna get the huge target share, which we haven't seen him earn yet. And the right. opportunities, obviously, I don't not like him. I just think again, he's he's kind of priced as if nothing's going to go wrong. I would be more wary of him if he weren't surrounded by Devontae Adams, who is in the new place with competition like he hasn't had before. Uh, Debo Samuel, who I don't like anywhere close to these guys. Tyreek Hill, who has Mm -hmm. just as many questions. Mike Evans, who has the target share questions and also hasn't gotten the dominant target share at all over a longer stretch with the same team. So I would if we had surer things around CeeDee Lamb, I would agree that I'd be wary of him. But as it is, I'm fine with with betting on him, you know, even in the range where I'm assuming things are going right. Lamb is the point where I'd rather go running back at that point. Definitely rather have Saquon Barkley. I, I'd, oh, yeah. I'd lean towards like Joe Mixon mm-hmm. over C.D. Lamb too, depending on format, of course, and, and what you did in the first round. I would but. definitely take both of those running backs over Lamb, but uh, I am also okay with taking him in that range. And if, if Barkley and Mixon are gone and Dalvin Cook's gone, Derrick Henry's gone, I'm probably taking Lamb over like DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, who I don't really like at that second round price either. Yeah, I've... Yeah, the, the three guys I want in tight end premium is is I want Lamb, I want Barkley, and I want Tyle Pitts in the second round. One of, one of those three guys, and I'm th- absolutely thrilled. Um, and you can generally get one of those three guys, you know, except unless you're picking at the very back end of round two. Um, and, that, and the cool thing about that is round, round three is you can, there's so many good receivers, and you got the James Conner and the ETNs, and, you know, so you can you can go any route the first two rounds or the second and third round. But I, I just love Lamb, the, the upside. He's a guy that... 
you know, you might think this, I don't know, people might think this is crazy, but I think he has as good of a chance as Stefan Diggs to be like that wide receiver. I mean, he could see 150 or 60 targets. I mean, his competition isn't great at all. So, I mean, we were talking about Tony Pollard getting run at slot receiver. You know, Dalton Schultz, is he the only other? You know, so I, I, and Lamb is a guy that's chasing money. Like, I love young players that are chasing money that, you know, this is going to be, that live in these, that live in these big cities. Man, you know, New York City, Saquon Barkley's chasing money. CeeDee Lamb's chasing money. These guys want to ball out. So, uh, and him being the only receiver there, he could be absolutely awesome. No income tax, I believe, in Texas. Perfect. So CD Lamb gets even more money. That's <laughs> right, more money. <laughs> so, yeah, you can check the perfect draft series to get round-by-round round, yep. um, recommendations here. Jared, you said you wanted to get into that round three through six range at wide out. Yeah, I mean, earmark those. And, and three could be Connor, as we said. I like ETN there in full PPR leagues. But I, I guess especially rounds four through six, I'm very often taking three straight mm-hmm. wide receiver, even if I already have one or two. Um, you know, T. Higgins in round three is like one of my favorite picks mm-hmm. in, in drafts in general at any position. Mm-hmm. Um, DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, Mike Williams, Brandon Cooks, Allen Robinson, just get a few of those guys. If they're your second and third receivers, third and fourth, I think, you know, that's the time to do it. And again, we talked about we don't like the running backs in that range. You know, the tight ends, I don't love in that range. And the quarterbacks you can get in, you know, round seven, yeah. even round six if you have to. So again, you know, four, five, six. Wide receivers for me. I agree. Adam Thielen, I don't think you mentioned Michael Thomas toward the end of that range. Um, Jerry Judy is somebody that I'm not excited about, but if I am hoping to get a wide out and the guys that I want more are not there, I'm like, okay, I'll take Jerry Judy. I like Russell Wilson enough. He's at least the wide receiver too there. Um, and especially if Cortland Sutton's already gone, I'm like, all right, I'll take the guy who could be the number one wide receiver. Darnell Mooney is somebody that I'm more okay with than targeting Rashad Bateman in that range. So I agree. Four through six and even... Even into seven or eight in the right leagues, you can still find all these guys and collect, you know, four to five of them. I was gonna say, have you guys seen the the ADPs on Rashad Bateman? Like, I know, you know, we do a lot of these high stakes leagues, so we're you know we're kind of yeah. in that bubble. Mm-hmm. But you know, our, our ADP on DraftSharks has met eight hundred two. ESPN ADP yeah. is eight hundred eight. Yeah, That's crazy. I, and during my fades, uh, targets and fades article, I was looking up Bateman. I mean, 801 is what I had a, co- a couple of days ago. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And that's another reason why you can kind of wait, you know, knowing the ADPs of this stuff. I know it's sometimes I, you know, I do all these high stakes, these high volume, and then, you know, all the friends home leagues start like next week. Yep. And I get into these draft rooms that I'm not used to ESPN, mm-hmm. Yahoo, and I'm trying to look. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You like, forget somebody's on the board. Right, still. Like, oh, I Bateman's there in the eighth round. See, like, I, I don't even have the balls to let him get to the eighth. If he's there sure. in the seventh, I'm, I'm even willing to just take him in the sixth to make sure I get him. Right. But if he's there in the seventh, I'm not passing Rashad Bateman in, mm-hmm. in round seven. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, Bateman for sure. And, and to kind of go back to what you guys were saying, like the different, there's so many receivers that you can see paths to just glory in the, in the fourth, fifth and sixth round. Um, Bateman's be, being one of them. Um, you know, early on in the fourth, I like, I like Ellen Robinson, some of his high stick stuff. And then, and then after that, that four or five turn is just so sweet with, mm-hmm. you know, Marquise Brown and like said, Brandon Cooks, Jerry, mm-hmm. I'm a little higher on Jerry Judy than others. I, I think I've done, I don't know, five or six mains. And I think I have Judy in like four of them. Cause I've had that kind of that wrap around. Mm-hmm. And I just think, um, Judy has that, uh, you know, that, that ability, he could be the number one mm-hmm. there by, by, mm-hmm. a, by, uh, targets at least by, by, who do we not, who do we not like margin. in this range? I was just going to say, I mean, honestly, Elijah like, Moore. I don't Amari Cooper. Uh, those guys. I mean, I'm where, on, where, where are they? I'm on on that range. I don't. I, I don't love Terry McLaurin. I don't like Terry McLaurin. I don't, I don't like Deontay Johnson, and that in that range, just because I mean, there's so many weapons there. DK now. Metcalf. I'll take Deontay Johnson because he's falling though. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was what third in the league in targets last year. I mean, all he has to do is still be used similarly, and he's a smash. Yeah, I mean, Met- Metcalf's an interesting one. I feel like Metcalf, Metcalf is a guy awesome that we could be maybe a little bit low on. Um, Seahawks offense isn't going to be too bad. I know, it's going to be sneaky. Sneaky, <laughs> sneaky, dicky offense. Yeah, Cortland Sutton's somebody that I that tends to go before I want him, although that's probably less true in home leagues. Probably the guy, I, I don't love Chris Godwin in that range that we've talked about a bunch of times. One guy that I don't dislike but always goes earlier than I want him is Michael Pittman. And mm. I, don't, I don't know, I think it's just a matter of him not quite having the target ceiling to match where I need to take him, you know, just versus who else is there. I guess A.J. Brown is similar for the the basically the same reason. Yeah, I mean, D.J. Moore is going behind Michael Pittman in right. most ADPs. That's why I don't have much Pittman because I prefer more among those guys. I, I, I'm with you, Matt. I think Pittman kind of lacks that huge ceiling just because we don't mm-hmm. expect the Colts to be this super, you know, fast-paced pass. They are they're going to pass more everything we've heard, which is good news for Pittman. I think he's a safe pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't He doesn't excite me in in round three. Yeah, he's not. He's a guy that I don't want to be as low as I am on, as mm-hmm. far as amount of times that I've drafted him. But like when he goes like wide receiver nine, it's like 
there's not much upside. I feel like right. he, I mean, he would have to be unbelievable yeah. uh, for him to pay off uh, anything higher than that. Yeah, I think he's he's my CD lamb for what Jared said earlier is he's being drafted where we're assuming everything is going to go perfectly for him. And sure. I just yeah, I, I don't I don't feel the need to take him. And all yeah. these wide receivers that we're talking about are why I even feel better about those two running backs in the first three rounds or possibly even taking my third running back mm -hmm. in round four because I know that five through nine, and we haven't even talked about Brandon Ayuk, yep. uh, Drake London is in that mix, Tyler Lockett's going later than he should, Robert Woods, now that Traylon Burks has proved he's just a toddler in NFL terms. <laughs> the, I mean, the guys are going to yeah. continue. Christian Kirk, it just keeps going. Every turn, I'm like, oh, I can get another wide receiver here. I'm glad I went ahead and took James Conner as my third running back because my league mates are idiots. Yeah, I'm taking a break in round seven, maybe for that elite <laughs> quarterback. Maybe I'm mixing yes. in you know, Dallas Goddard, who we'll talk about yes. next. But yeah, once you get back to round like nine, 10, 11, the guys you mentioned, man, the three I've written down, my three favorites, Drake London, just I'm betting on his talent as a top 10 pick and, you know, massive producer at USC and volume and a know, sneaky offense and a, and a sneaky, good offense. Uh, Drake <laughs> London, Christian Kirk, who I think is going to be the number one receiver in a Jags offense we're buying into and Kadarius Tony. I'm still in on less in than I was, you know, a couple months ago. It hasn't been the best off season, but you know, ninth round, 10th round for Kadarius Tony. I'll, I'll take a shot on, on the talent. Yeah. What are we, Brendan, Ayuk is a guy again in that range, like, DeAndre Hopkins is going, Hunter Renfro, like uh, Hopkins is a guy, again, we're playing for the end of the year. We're assuming he's going to be awesome the second half of the year. Hunter Renfro, assuming he's going to he's gonna still be really good there. Um, I mean, I think he finishes like a high-end uh, wide receiver two. He's not going to do that, but he could certainly be a, a very high-end wide receiver three. Brandon Ayuk is a guy that I just, I don't see a path to greatness there as far as, well, here's like, the path. A, like, are we sure that Debo Samuel finishes the year with more right. targets than Brandon Ayuk? But I think we have a we have a quarterback that is a run first quarterback that mm -hmm. has Kittle and has Debo and every time I turn around I throw an eighty yard touchdown to Danny Gray. Uh, Danny Gray start, was he the guy that started Week One last year over IU? Like I feel like mm -mm. every time I turn it was, it was somebody else. A rookie, sure, yeah. Surefield, right? Surefield. Yeah, there you yeah. go. I feel like there's someone always that always weasels their way in. <laughs> I just to me I. If I'm taking the the, the so-called third receiving option on a, on a team, I want it to be uh, for like a Joe Burrow or a guy that's not going to run the ball. So he's he's the third receiving option and the fourth or fifth offensive option between the quarterback running and them handing it off. I just feel like if I'm taking a, a receiver there, like I know I'm pretty confident that the le second half of the year DeAndre Happens is definitely going to outscore Brandon Ayuk. So I'm pretty sure that Renfro was going to outscore Brandon Ayuk the whole year. Like I just don't think Ayuk has a path to, to 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 glory. Like Adam Thielen, when Adam Thielen plays, he's going to be awesome. You know, so I, I don't know. That's my thoughts. I, so to me, Brandon Ayuk is okay. So here's here's the case for Brandon Ayuk. If you're sure that he's not more than the third receiving option this year, then mm -hmm. it's fine to pass on him because you're not missing it. What I know is we're there are going to be lots of things that surprise us every year, mm -hmm. and I think that. Saying that Brandon Ayuk could lead the 49ers in targets this year, a former first round pick who was just sluggish last year after a very nice rookie season. Um, you know, the possibility that he could, which I do think is a possibility, makes him a good guy to take at least some in this range. Almost everyone was sure that Brandon Ayuk was the Niners top right. receiver at this time a year ago. Like, I, I think I think there's a path for him to beat Debo Samuel in targets. And I think the other upside case for Ayuk is it is such a narrow target tree that if right. Debo or Kittle go down and both those guys have had lots of injury issues, then, you know, Ayuk becomes a lot easier. Like, I, I'm still mostly with you, Adam, that I like. Drake London better. I like Christian yeah. Kirk better. I probably like DeAndre Hopkins better. So I don't have a ton of Ayuk, but in the eighth, ninth round, um, I think I think he can pay off. That I mean, price. for what it's worth, if we're betting on Trey Lance, uh, the upside is that he is also at least competent as a passer and maybe good, and he can bring wide receivers along with him. He's not going to run the ball, you know, three hundred <laughs> times this year. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just never going to feel comfortable starting. I mean, if you draft yeah. Nayuk in the sixth round, you want to start him week, week well, one. Well, I'm not taking him in the sixth. We're taking him like seventh, eighth. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm looking at FFPC data here, but you're, yeah. in, that, you're in that bubble. Sorry, I'm in, I'm in that <laughs> bubble. bubble. Um, all right. So let's hit tight end because we're running short on time. And I mean, Jared, it's really just Dallas Goddard, right? <laughs> That's the perfect Hold way on, to real draft quick, tight end. Real quick, because I can't what? leave a podcast without saying I, Isaiah McKenzie, starting slot, going in the uh, 20th round of home yeah. leagues. Take him. <laughs> Go ahead. I can get on board with that. <laughs> yep, I agree. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, Travis Kelsey's in play for me near the one-two turn. Um, Kyle Pitts, I'll let um, mm. Adam wax poetic on Kyle Pitts. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Dallas Goddard is my top target at tight end. You know, we have his ADP at 7-11. He's going in the eighth round on um, ESPN. I, I think he is just about 
two rounds underpriced. And I think he's going to be, you know, even he's going to be closer to the Waller Kittle tier, I think, than like the tier behind him when you're talking about, you know, the Cole Komets and the Pat Fryer moves. Adam, before we have people take another shot for you talking about the Falcons offense being <laughs> um, underrated, Sneaky. I, 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 like Travis Kelsey where he's going. I think he belongs where he's going. I like Kyle Pitts where he's going. I think he belongs there. I don't end up finding myself getting there most of the time on either of those guys because of the options that are available yes. at tight end later. I feel better when I draft. I and, mean, you know, this is not tight end premium. We're not talking about an FFPC draft, but in a, a, a more standard PPR draft, I feel better about the teams when I'm taking running backs, wide receivers in those ranges, and then looking further down the board once we get toward Dallas Goddard territory. Totally get it. Yeah, I'm a I'm a tight end premium addict, so I get it. Um, but for non tight end premium, forget home league, whatever. Like even like the FFWC, uh, which is start three three receivers non tight end premium. That is, you know, you're able to get Goddard in like the eighth, ninth, tenth round of those drafts. Uh, much prefer Goddard in in the ninth or tenth round than maybe Pitts in like the third. You know what I mean? Because like you said, you need to really load up on those receivers in those type of type of drafts. So Goddard is a guy that I have have a ton of as my tight end one, but also in a bully tight end build in a in a tight end premium where I've I've gone Pitts in round two and gone Goddard in round six. I've gone Kelsey in round one and gone Goddard in round six. Mm -hmm. Like you can really um dominate a position and you're gonna be starting Goddard in the flex in this. Like when you go mm -hmm. bully tight end, forget the actual players, but when you go bully tight end, you're starting a uh, tight end in that flex spot. It makes it so you don't have to be as deep at receiver or you don't have to be as deep at running back because every week you're starting Goddard in that, in the, or whatever the second tight end is, if you went, you know, really high, maybe Kittle and Kelsey or something. Um, so it ends up making sure you don't have to be so right on all of those other positions. So love, love Pitts. I mean, I talk about it every single time, but I think Pitts is fine at the three, four turn is where he's going in a lot of these home leagues or, or start three receiver drafts. Um, and I get if you want to go another route, especially when you can get Goddard in like round nine. And Jared, if we're concerned about the target shares or available targets in Philadelphia at all, I think it's worth mentioning there's a chance that this team just goes much more toward the pass than we can reasonably yeah. project coming off of last season because they have been Throwing the ball a lot in, you know, the scant glances we've gotten at the first team this year. They certainly handled the offseason as though they want to throw the ball significantly more than last year. Hey, if we're going to play the sleeper over-unders, by the way, this could be a good offense to look mm. at for betting overs for sure. on receptions. Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, passing numbers for Jalen Hurts early in the season. So if you go to sleeper.com slash draft sharks, make your first deposit now. They will match it up to 100 bucks. So go ahead and register for the sleeper over-unders, sleeper.com slash draft sharks. Jared, back to tight ends. What you got? <laughs> I was going to say with Goddard, that is you know part of my assumption with his projection that the Eagles are going to pass more. I think everything they've done this offseason said that that's going to be the case if they're once again a bottom three pass rate team then it's going to be trouble for goddard but i don't think that's going to be the case um if i if i miss out on goddard i'm basically just playing a game of like tight end chicken and just like mm -hmm. seeing you know which of these guys you know evan ingram tyler yeah. higby david and joku gerald everett i just want to be like the last one to grab yeah. one or two of those guys at the position yeah and evan ingram and david and joku are like the two safety nets for yep. me and and most of the time i will be able to get one of those so i do like goddard i'm certainly looking at him that's a reason where if it's close, I'm okay with waiting to see if he gets to the next round. What's up with Robert Tanyan? Like, I feel like, you know, we always, we need, we need to make sure we talk about Robert Tanyan. We don't want to, we, do? we don't want to miss on Robert Tanyan. Yeah, I don't again. think we've said his name much on this podcast. That's, that's um, what I'm saying. He's, I, off, he's off the pup list, but I don't think he's practicing. Yet. I mean, yeah, I'm okay with not yeah. being in on I feel him. Like, I feel like him having, I'm not in on him, but I'm just saying, I feel like we're, we're forgetting about him. He was unbelievably efficient two years ago with Rogers. I mean, he has, no weapon. I mean, that, people that's don't kind know of the thing receiving. is the unbelievable efficiency, though, is if you can yeah. if you're telling me that he will again get 70 targets and score 11 times on that, then OK, okay I'm in. But that's almost definitely not happening. Well, the TD rate's coming down from what it was two years ago, but he could see more targets, obviously. With sure. I mean, that. And so he's going there. late enough. Um, if he were not coming off an ACL tear, right. I'd be yeah. interested. He's, but I, I mean, if I if I'm choosing between him and Evan Ingram, like, why well, are you talking to me about Robert Tunyon? But that's the range. Well, take, I mean, I, Ingram's yeah. going. I think you'd take both. Both of them. I think, yeah, Tunyon has to be your tight end too because you're not going to be able to trust him early on, probably not until October. But if you are going, you know, this too late tight end strategy, 
I think I think he's you know an option. Yeah, he's going as tight end to twenty one. Right. You know what I mean? It's like he's a guy that I'm just again. He's in an offense where no one knows what's going on at receiver, and he's already shown. You know, Rogers has already shown to to like him. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I feel like he's a he's a guy that you could you're certainly not going to rely on him, but he's a guy that in a lot of these home leagues probably won't, won't even get drafted, and you just keep an eye on him. I'd rather take Tunyon than Logan Thomas. You know, I buck, bucket them together because they're both coming off the the knee injury. Yeah. Probably not going to be useful week one, but I think at least Tunyon. In that offense, you know, has more upside than Thomas does. I would love to hit the season with neither of those guys that's, on yeah, my roster, fair. though. To be fair, <laughs> that's fine. We had to I talk mean, about Bob Tunney. And even in that range, well, we like Hayden Hurst is there and yeah. healthy and playing for the Bengals. So I, I don't, if I'm I like really Hayden looking Hurst. in there, Austin Hooper in Tennessee. So I just mean I think there are healthier versions of the guys we're talking about down there. Yeah, I, I prefer Hurst to Tunyon and Logan Ugh. Thomas. Exactly. <laughs> well, Bengals tight end. That's that's what it is. No, Bengals tight end. I just yeah. It's just all those tight ends are. I just feel like it's been a Hurst. It's been Hurst season for like four years, and it's yeah, just. See, I was never, I was never part of that, so no. I, haven't, I haven't been burned yet. So it's, it's gonna happen still for not me this Hurst year. season for me either. I'm not betting on him, but if we're down in that range and I'm looking at either him or Robert Tunyon, then I'll take uh, Hayden Hurst. But if I'm looking in that range of tight end, I you know I, I'm like, why is this draft not over yet? <laughs> All right, but that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. You can head over to DraftSharks.com now. You can find updated versions of that perfect draft series. If you haven't done so already, you should also set up your own draft war room because that's going to show you what your perfect draft looks like. It'll help you all the way throughout. You'll get all your settings in there. You can sync it to your league. It will automatically take players off the board as you draft. Going to make drafting so much easier and more productive than it's been for you in the past. For Jared Smola, Adam Krautwurst, and the entire Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for something with us.